Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Welcome back. It's hour number two of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM from downtown Las Vegas, our Circus Sportsbook Studios. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick. Michael, as always, on the East Coast uh, at M Lombardi NFL is where you can follow Michael on Twitter. Big hour of this show. Harry Gagden, as is our tradition on Wednesdays, joins us in about a half an hour. We start this hour, though, Michael, talking about the Green Bay Packers. I can say this from experience being a mm-hmm. Wisconsinite. Since the great formation of the state of Wisconsin in 1848, basically every season, Michael, Wisconsin always ranks in the top five, uh, at the very least, of binge-drinking states. And when the Green Bay Packers are bad, it immediately vaults to number one by a high, high (laughs) margin. The people are depressed. They're drinking. They're anxious back in my home state. If you're GM Brian Gutekunst right now leading the Packers at three and four and now favored to miss the playoffs for the first time all season. Where do you even start with this mess of a team? Well, I think really, to me, everybody's given Aaron Rodgers a hard time for what he said about, you know, we make too many mistakes, yada, yada, yada. I think he's just being the head coach. I think there's a void of head coaching. I mean, you watch all the games. I mean, you, have you ever felt like LaFleur was, was the reason they've won 13 games? Of course not. And I'll go back to this, Ben. You can't run this offense, this Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers offense that you've been running without Devontae Adams in it. Like, you've got to change and modify. They they were running the toss play. You know that toss? You've watched the Washington mm-hmm. game. They ran that toss play to the right all the time, right? They probably averaged eight yards a play on the toss, right? I mean, did they ever get it stopped? Of course not. But uh, 
But LaFleur stopped it. He stopped calling it. He stopped running it. And so for me, I watched the tape. They're not physical up front in their offensive line. They're soft as a team. And, you know, they're not detailed. And and like Roger said, he said it. They're, they make too many mistakes. There's nobody being held accountable. And in the past, Rodgers was always the deodorant that allowed them to get away with it, right? He was always the guy that covered up all the smells. And he, and he did until they got to the playoffs when he couldn't do it. And now, now they're getting beat by pedestrian-type teams that they shouldn't get beat by. But they're not talented enough, and there's been no adjustment made to what they need to do. I mean, do they really think that they Sammy Watkins is going to be the heir apparent to Devontae Adams? I know they were both picked in the one was picked in the first, one was picked mm-hmm. in the third, but did they really think that? It's un- unclear if that was ever really going to be a solution. And you mentioned adjustments. As much as that is something you would just assume for a head coach in Matt LaFleur, you know, you look at the overall records, he's 44 and 17 combined with the playoffs as a head coach. You would think that would translate to a guy familiar with making adjustment in games. But what I can't get past is the fact that you have one of the most dynamic dual threat running backs in your backfield, along with a bruising, punchy in the nose type guy in A.J. Dillon. You have two backs who are among arguably in personnel, the top 10 in the NFL, and yet you're what, 18th in rushing yards? Aaron Jones is is getting eight to nine carries a game. They're basically using him in little dump-offs out of the backfield because there's nobody else who's open. And yet you get into these late-game situations, and we saw it in the Washington game. Uh, commanders essentially were just sitting on all those little dump-off short slant routes or short out routes because they knew there was no personnel to beat him deep. And so it becomes, now you get these tight windows and you have very little margin for error. And it almost feels like a domino effect, Michael, when you watch how it plays out from start to finish of a game. Green Bay's looked really sharp on the on the scripted plays, but as soon as you get off script, it, it's been so predictable. And that's been the one thing you just haven't been accustomed to seeing with the Rodgers and LaFleur-led offense these past few years. Well, with a Rodgers-led offense. I mean, they've scored right. 19 points so far in seven games in the fourth quarter. I don't think that's good enough, you know. And, and they had a chance to beat the Giants, couldn't score in the fourth. You know, they had a chance to they beat New England in overtime with the field goal because, I mean, New England goes back. They kicked themselves. They had a chance to win that game. You know, all they need is 10 more yards to get a first down. They're going to win that game. You know, they beat, they beat Tampa on a two-point conversion. So, look, I, I mean, if I were to tell you that the Green Bay Packers are ranked are ranked 23rd in the league in punts per play, you'd say I'm crazy. I mean, that's not who Green Bay typically is. Mm-hmm. But you know why they are? is because people have no fear to play man-to-man against them. A, they can't protect long enough, and B, nobody's going to get separation. So why not? Why not? I mean, Washington's typically more of, a, of an off-cover zone team. They said, hey, let's play. Let's, let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can do. And, and, and Green Bay can't. There's nothing there to help them. I mean, Tanya's their leading receiver. The guy averages eight yards a catch. It's amazing. And, yeah, and you, and you know, for the, the pushback on the, well, Rodgers, like you're, you're missing some of these throws in small windows, and there was some backlash to the comment, uh, and you're talking about the, the comments from the Pat McAfee show where he said, we're making double-digit mental errors every single week in reference to his own team. Rodgers also said that the, the Packer quarterback coach, Tom Clements, gave him his single highest weekly quarterback grade of the season. And if you look at Rodgers' numbers just in NFC ranks, I mean, he's still he's top five in yards, passer rating, completion percentage. There, he's still been able to produce. It's just been, again, without, uh, without the weapons now. And coupled with, you mentioned the deodorant that Aaron Rodgers has represented to this Packer team. 
I really thought, and most people would have would have felt this way with the personnel defensively, like Green Bay was positioned to win games solely on the strength of their defense this year. Yeah. And behind Joe Barry is a DC with personnel ranks that graded out. If you looked at uh, a bunch of different sites through this offseason, top five pretty much across the board positionally, 27th against the run, mediocre against the pass. If it was not for Rashawn Gary, I don't know where the sacks would be coming from. It's like you have Rashad Gary and Devondre Campbell playing at a very high level, and you have no idea what else you're getting. That has to be a big factor, too, don't you think, when you, when you couple that with an offense that's been very disjointed most of these games? Well, the other thing is, where's the adjustments defensively, right? They're fifth in the league defensively in first half. They're 23rd in defense in the second half. So they, they don't adjust out there. I mean, that's another issue that they have problems with. And you're right, without Gary. And then, you know, against the Giants, they couldn't get off the field on third down. But yet, typically, they're about a 30% third down defense. I think last week was proven that Alexander can't cover McLaurin. I mean, when they tried to play man-to-man, McLaurin made the plays on them that they couldn't make. So, look, they don't. And then the other thing is, too, this whole, concept, this whole notion that, well, we're going to bring in Rich Bisacci. We're going to immediately be better in the kicking game. No. You got to practice the kicking game. It's Bisacci can't work miracles. He's he. You need to. Pra- there's no detail. You know. Mm-hmm. There's no attention to detail. They get too many penalties in the kicking game. You know. I mean, they've got 40 penalties as a team. For, and it, and Rogers is right. They make way too many mistakes. Take a guess how many times the ball has been on the ground for the Packers this year in terms of fumbles. Oh, it's it's felt. I mean, I just say this anecdotally from watching all the games. It's felt like at least three times a game, I'd, I'd say like in the 20 range through seven games? Well, it's 15, but you're right. It feels more. It's 15. More. That's that's 15. That's over two a game. That's over two times the ball's been on the ground. Meanwhile, when we evaluate defensive team speed, we look at who creates fumbles, right? They've only The ball's only been on the ground in seven games. The opponents only had the ball on the ground six times. The Packers got it three. So, like, to me, you know, there, there it is. And, and, and they can't really make it explosive. I mean, this team averages with Aaron Rodgers below 10 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. And now I think about, from your experience, like you've, you've been part of teams, to the good, to the bad through seven weeks, we have seen teams find ways to turn it around. Chiefs were your notable team last year, three and four at this time. We were all having the questions, is this team broken? Are they done as a Super Bowl contender? Uh, certainly every situation is different, but – from thinking back to your own experience, like what is the thing that gets you out of these ruts if you apply it here to the pack? And obviously a big test in a tough spot to be in going to Buffalo Sunday night where you're a double-digit dog. But more from a long-term perspective, what's the answer here? Well, the answer is simply this. Bill Walsh had a note tag. Uh, this is before Post-it notes were invented. But he had a piece of paper attached to his, to his, to his office wall that said, what three assets that we have that we're not utilizing? And that's really the advice Matt, Matt LaFleur needs to understand. What assets do I have that I'm not utilizing? And his main asset is, is, is Aaron Jones, particularly in the passing game. He's got 26 receptions. He needs more. We need to get him the ball more. It's not screens. and He can be the best slot receiver we have if we wanted him to be. He could run option routes. Nobody's going to cover him on an option route. Nobody's going to cover him on a wheel. So we've got to get him more involved. He's got 78 touches, right? Dylan's got 77. So we need to figure out how we're going to utilize that. We need to define who we're going to be. Once again, the Tennessee Titans, the Atlanta Falcons, the New York football Giants, even the New York Jets, they know who they are, and they and they, they haven't deviated from it. Now, we'll see if the Jets deviate this week, if they try to make mm-hmm. Zach Wilson a hero. But for the most part, teams that know who they are don't stray. They don't get bored. 
you know, I wrote about this in, in, in Gridiron Genius. I call it the born to run theory. It's boredom kills most people. They get tired of it, right? If you went and saw Springsteen in 1974 sing Born to Run and you go see him in 2022, it's, it's going to sound, he's going to play it with the same level of enthusiasm. He doesn't get bored with it. Whereas some of these teams, like your boy LaFleur, I don't really want to run that toss play. I'm bored with it. Even though it's averaging about eight yards a play. Until they stop it, why stop running it? Is that why you think Aaron Rodgers comes out before last week and says, simplify? That's our word. We need to simplify the offense. And then you see Matt LaFleur as a head coach say, I don't really know what he means by that. Is that kind of down the yeah, line of thinking exactly you're talking what he, about? Look, everything Rodgers says, everything Rodgers says is if he's the head coach. That's really what it is because there is no head coach there. There's an offensive play caller. There's not a head coach. He doesn't know how to set up a game plan to win. If he has to see his oh, – I'm going to run my plays. I'm going to run my plays. Well, his plays worked when they had Devontae Adams and the coverage was getting rolled to it. His plays don't work when he doesn't have Devontae. And now you, you just wonder also from the long-term perspective. I threw out the record numbers overall for Matt LaFleur. When you put up numbers like that, there's generally a sense of, okay, you now have baked in – certain you know, there's a certain level here it's not like you're going to be on the hot seat anytime soon and that could now be a potential issue here for green bay going forward because it's hard to sit there if, if you're at the, the ownership group from the you know from the from mark murphy's perspective and say all right guys only lost 17 games in four years how could you possibly have them on the hot seat but to what you're saying there are bigger issues deeper in green bay oh and by the way Michael, if you think if you think the Buffalo. drinking's gone up in wisconsin it's going way up in the next three years. I'm <laughs> probably right on that. And uh, Packers 0-6 all time when they take on Buffalo. Catching 12 this week. More Lombardi Line when we return here on VEASAN. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
the all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. game. <laughs> You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Get everything VEASAN has to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. Sign up now and get VEASAN Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl, including our Pro Picks daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. Pro tools like our exclusive betting splits, pro tips with actionable insights to up your betting game, deep dive daily betting reports on the NBA, NHL, and MLB playoffs, plus our upcoming college basketball, college bowl, and Super Bowl betting guides. Give yourself an edge. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to get your $99 midseason special today. That's vison.com slash subscribe. It occurred to me, Michael, that we spend yep. so much time in the offseason talking about the importance of rest edges for teams and we evaluate futures and win totals and looking how that'll all play out. And then we get into the regular season and we just kind of ignore it and say, well, it's a bounce back spot or ah, personnel matches up favorably in, you know, for team X versus team Y. Yet I was looking at this uh, Thursday night football, these teams coming off of it and having the extra two, three days of rest. Last three weeks now, five and one against the number, three different outright wins as underdogs, and it was by far the best we've seen in the Annapolis look when they came out, beat the Jack Jacksonville Jaguars after their uh, Thursday night loss. As good as we've seen Washington look all year, as good as we've seen Chicago look all year. You think there's anything to this now that we're midway through the season and you have some of these teams banged up, getting that two, three extra days coming off Thursday night for the following week in those specific matchups? Well, I, I think it, it, it certainly helps to get rest and get, you know, and get a chance to have an extra two or three days to game plan. You know, I mean, New England obviously got caught, you know, off guard by what they did. But as I've said earlier in this program, New England's a, a, not a good matchup against the – got to come up with a good title for it, a six-skilled offense, you know, because they, they're going to struggle in that area. But I, I do think that, you know, the rest helps. But what helps more than anything is is if you can keep practicing and keep defining who you are as a football team, the awareness, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Chicago went into that game saying, look, we, we can't, we're going to have to run this guy 
you know, we can't compete with them if we don't run it. We're going to have to turn the ball over. They're prone to making mistakes. And let's just keep this game close to the fourth quarter. And, you know, they made enough mistakes that they didn't have to keep it close to the fourth. It was over by the fourth. And what's funny, too, it's on one end, you think, well, all right, it kind of depends on the matchup and you have to have a coach you trust here. But if you just run through the teams, the again, going through the last three weeks, it was you know, Hackett for Denver, covered the next week, lost in that overtime ridiculous game on Monday night. Uh, Frank Reich, who as we've talked about, is, is kind of falling down our ledger on coaches you trust that game against Jacksonville. Eberflus, a rookie head coach for the Bears, but we saw uh, Rivera do it for Washington with the win this week over the Packers. And then uh, you had Zach Taylor in Cincinnati the next week, looked very game, even though they came up short in a loss to Baltimore. I just bring up those coaches because you have those two teams from last week on Thursday night, two pretty unreliable coaches. If we're looking at in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury and Dennis Allen in New Orleans, and I think unreliable is putting it lightly for those two teams. So uh, how do you expect those two in particular trying now to have a little bit extra time, get a little healthier, Arizona integrating DeAndre Hopkins, New Orleans getting a bunch of pieces back. How, how do you expect them to look in their respective games this week? Well, I, I think New Orleans will look much better, because it. I, I, but I don't know that until I see the injury report. And if the injury report is an indication where Lattimore's back and they get Landry back and they have some more of their skill back, I think they'll be improved. I think there's no doubt. I think this will be a really hard game for the Raiders down there. Uh, to to win because New Orleans numerically has not played well. The, the New Orleans and New England are very similar in the sense that they just give the ball away too much. I mean, they just give it away, and and it not not necessarily unforced. They're unforced errors. They give it away. So I, I think that's going to help. I think New Orleans will be. A, a, I would be surprised if this line doesn't keep itching and keep going down. You know, I have it as 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 Las Vegas is a one point three one favorite. I think it was two. But I could see this becoming a pick 'em game come Sunday. I think it's going to be a hard game for the Raiders because, you know, the one thing about the the Saints, they're going to go against a team like the Raiders that are not a great defensive team, mm-hmm. and so they'll be able to run the ball. They'll be able to use their Tyson Hill. They'll be able to kind of keep it there. And where the Raiders have been successful is their execution on offense. And last week they had four drives of over 75 yards. Remarkable. They right. scored touchdowns on all of them. It's hard to do this against New Orleans, who's 33% on third down. They're one of the better third – as bad as they've been on defense, they're still one of the better third down teams in the league. And still holding out, despite all the personnel in- issues and injuries on the defensive backfield, still New Orleans seventh defending the run. And you compare that with a Raider team that's gotten this incredible career season out of Josh Jacobs, over 140 rushing yards and multiple scores last week. And an offensive line that grades out fourth in run block win rate from ESPN, first in run block separation from football outsiders, a line that was perceived to be a bottom five unit heading into the year. How do you figure that matchup plays out? Well, I, I think this. I think when you when you really break down New Orleans's numbers and you study them, what they've done, even though they've given up a lot of points, right? Earlier in the season, they didn't give up as many, but that they are really a good red zone team. And Dennis Allen will do a nice job of scheming the run, and how they handle two backs. See, the one of the keys to the Raiders' success has been they play against teams that don't understand how to handle two back. Well, New Orleans is a two back team, so they've practiced against it. Their run fits will be much better. Now they've given up four point six yards per carry, you know, in, in running games, and we've seen this go on. I mean, but what they've really been hurt more than anything is explosive plays. They've given up too many explosive plays, like the Nor- like the Cincinnati game when Jamar Chase makes the play at the mm-hmm. end of the game that seals the win. They're in control of that game pretty much the whole game, 
until that until that last drive. They didn't score in the red zone, and they gave up an explosive play. So, look, their interception, they've, they've thrown nine picks to one. You can't win like that. It's and they hard. won't beat the Raiders if they turn it over. Same thing that the, the Patriots won't beat the Jets if they turn it over. That's where you have to really handicap turnovers. I really think this, to me, this would be a pro betting tip. Like, I've spent more time mm-hmm. trying because of, of when I think something's going to happen in a game, and usually it doesn't happen like the Lions because you turn the ball over. So when you're playing a team like the Lions, okay, and you're getting seven, you're hoping they protect the ball because the, the, the chances are they may not cover because they just give the game away. The giveaways become the, the, the lack of cover. Right. Like last week, yeah, that. Go, I, yeah, a great like last week, going in. Yeah, like last week, Houston was a really good team against the – Houston's a good team protecting the football. They had that game close, it, it, so it's 24-20, right? They go for it on fourth down, they get the far start. The Raiders drive it right back down the field, make it 34-20, 31-20. Now, you think that you get the sense they're going to be able to score to cover that, right? That's when they made the turnover, and that's what made it a 38-20 to game. No cover. Difference between a cover and an on-cover. It's a great pro tip. You look at the teams, the worst six with turnover margin so far, and just having that expectation going in when you're betting these games, knowing what these teams do. As I update the numbers here, Saints, Colts, Lions, Rams, Washington, Green Bay. Six worst teams in turnover right. margin, and your six best. It won't surprise you to hear Philadelphia, Dallas, Baltimore, Minnesota, Arizona's in there, as is a Tennessee and Buffalo tied for six right now. So those that, are, that's uh, why those are your leaders. You, as much as we want to critique Cliff and, and the mistakes he makes, of course, I think a lot of them are the quarterback, they don't turn it over. They don't give it away. So the, the thing is what you have to do is take the turnover percentages and compare them to the teams, okay? So, like, Washington's playing against Indianapolis. Washington's minus 07 in turnovers, and Indianapolis is minus 1. What does that tell me? That tells me both teams are probably going to turn it over, right? Yeah. That, that probably both teams will. Whereas Vegas has turned it over and has improved over the last two weeks, three weeks, and New Orleans has it. They're minus 1-4 in turnover takeaways. So, the Raiders have a distinct advantage in, in that area. That's what's, so you got you got to handicap that. Right, and that's what's fascinating about Arizona-Minnesota, two teams we just listed there in the top six to the good in turnover margin. They face each other this week. I have not heard many say, even, even for all the positivity and, and thought that Kevin O'Connell would be really, really sharp and a big improvement over Mike Zimmer as head coach for the Vikings, haven't heard much in the way of this 5-1 and one start being really based in long-term sustainability for Minnesota. And they host this Cardinal team who does have the extra rest. Market going to Arizona. It's down to 3.5. Minnesota laying it at home in some spots from as high as some books had it, 6-6.5 six, six in the opener. What do you do in a game like this where two teams have been able to at least do a good job of preventing turnovers on their own end, but two coaches who have left a lot to be desired so far? Yeah, you know, this is the one line for me when I ran my numbers that, that I'm all messed up on, right? I have this Minnesota should be favored by six. And it's three. And I, when I put my numbers together yesterday, it was three and a half. You're telling me it's back down. It's three now. Is it down to three, three or is it up to three four? Three and a half or four, in, uh, depending on where you look. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, again, I'm, nerv- I'm nervous about this one because both teams are exactly the same in turnover. Diff- 0.7, both of them are. Look, for all we want to talk about with Minnesota, their numbers are pretty good. I mean, they're seventh in points per play. The team they're playing is 27th. 
It's funny how I would have thought the same thing. Like, I'm thinking, oh, this is just a classic paper tiger team. And yet, even on the EPA per play basis, they're on, on, def- on defense where we think this is just a team, re- you know, they're waiting to give up big plays. They're still top half of the league, both against the pass and against the run. And so, I, you know, it's the classic case of where does perception meet yeah. reality? I'm still not sold well, at all on Minnesota from the eye test standpoint. We're going to find out a lot this week, though, in, in a matchup between them and the Cardinals. That is the line of the, that is the line of the week. At least one of them. With that now going down at three and a half right now. We'll see if Harry Gagnon has a play on this game. I know Harry always has action. Harry's trying to get back on the uh, the winning side. We'll be joined by Harry Gagnon, host of the Against All Odds podcast, when we return. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Back on the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick. He'll be back tomorrow on the show. It's that time of the week where we welcome in our guy, Harry Gagnon, who you see on the Against All Odds podcast with Cousin Sal and the whole degenerate trifecta. Uh, Also, Harry, we always like to point this out, Michael, a former uh, Red Rock sportsbook supervisor. So Harry knows the ins and outs of the business. For Harry, as we welcome you in, uh, it was one of my worst weeks of the NFL season. I know it was, a, it was a slog for you last week. You got there on your teaser. The the three other plays were not so uh, fortunate. I told this earlier to Michael. If it was not for the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday night, it would have been a, a bloodbath. So at least it got a little bit back on the Sunday night game. But I know you're ready to look ahead to, uh, to week eight. And one of the themes we've been talking about today, it's like, who is really any good? I know, Michael, you wrote about that on the website outside of the Chiefs, Bills, and Eagles at the top. It's like, Harry, who, who can you really trust right now? I know you went to the well with uh, Tampa last week, and like many people, that was a big disappointment to uh, who backed the Bucks. Yeah, like I like I said on against all odds, and I just I'm never really a big layer, a big proponent of laying points, and especially double digits, especially in the NFL. I did it with Tampa Bay last week, and I got bit. I don't know, like what do you guys think, Mike? What do you think? Like what was more of an anomaly last week? Was it Tampa Bay's? Uh, offense that couldn't get anything going whatsoever, or was it Chicago's offense that looked like it was unbelievable? I think it was Tampa Bay. Like, Chicago, you know, I I didn't have a play, but to me, uh, when you break down New England and you study them and the the defense, and when you go back to the Buffalo game where they've yet to force Buffalo to punt in the two games, their lack of team speed – when they play a six-position offense, meaning the quarterback's part of the running game, right? When the quarterback's part of the running game and you've got to defend it and the quarterback's fast and athletic, New England's going to have trouble. And so it didn't yeah. surprise me. That didn't surprise – I thought New England would win the game. Don't get me wrong. I thought they would win. I thought they would move the ball more effectively. But to me, Carolina – the history told us that Tampa had success against Carolina as good as they are on defense. And even though it was 7 to nothing, Harry, at halftime, I kind of felt like because Carolina is, I think they're 26, 23rd in the league in second-half defense, I thought that they would melt, and I thought that, that Tampa would eventually come back, but they never did. Yeah, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and it just never happened. You know, it was that, it was, I think it was the turning point there was at third and one when Fournette didn't get the first down, then they pitched it on fourth down, didn't get the fourth, mm-hmm. and then I uh, the first down on fourth down, and I think that's when Carolina realized, hey, we got this. We can do this, and that's what happened. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, Ben, I do think yeah. this. I think Carolina isn't a team that's typically being coached by uh, an interim. I think all these players – I think Matt Rule got fired way too early. I think if you just paid attention to the team, other than San Francisco, they were in every game. 
Like, this was not a team that wasn't right. competing, wasn't trying. Like, they just couldn't get quarterback play. And the first time yesterday, they actually got a quarterback that actually made, a, uh, on Sunday, that made some throws. I think, to me, the, the owner made it, was very quick to make a decision because it, this team isn't as bad as, let's fire the coach. And it's a new yeah, owner, too, in David Temple, five, you know? Yeah, that, they were a top-five defense last year. Yeah, and still the numbers, as we, we talked about this earlier in the show, numbers still not bad either on the Carolina defensive side, and they now face an Atlanta team, some support in the market for Carolina. That's not one of your plays, though, this week, Harry. You're going to the NFC West, where we have a big matchup. Have not mentioned this game yet. It's a rematch between the 49ers and the Rams. Rams off a bye, and San Francisco's defense, it let you down, Harry, with taking the under on Sunday, mm. let me down. I had mm. the Niners in, in contest there, catching two and a half against KC. Uh, what what do you like in this 49er Ram rematch now with the Rams a slight home dog in this spot? Well, I'll tell you, the Rams have not beat San Francisco in the regular season since December 30th, 2018. That's a span of seven games. With that said, I'm taking the Rams and Sean McVay as a small dog. San Francisco is building up injuries on defense. Eric Armstead has missed time. Uh, last two games, Emmanuel Mosley has missed, and he's still out. They gave up 28 points two weeks ago to Atlanta. And you just mentioned, Ben, the brutal defense against Kansas City, giving up 44 points. You mentioned the Rams coming off a bye. I think they should have worked out some of their offensive issues. I think Stafford's going to be poised to make some more throws, work better with Allen Robinson. And I'm going to take the Rams plus one and a half here against San Fran. You know, the, Harry, I, I would push back on you on this one because the Rams' offensive line is not good. It's not mm-hmm. good at all. And the strength of this team is the 49er defensive front, which didn't play great last week. And so I, I'm not sure, even though Stafford's had time off, I'm not sure he's any good anymore. Like, I think his yeah. body's broken down. And so to me, I, I think the one thing that losing that game has proven to the 49ers is, look, we got to have to play better defensively. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to play better defensively. They dominated them in the last game up front. And this yeah, this front yeah. to this front to me is is going to that Ram offensive line. I don't trust them, Harry. I don't trust them at all. Yeah, you're probably right. you very very well make great points, Mike. I mean, I just think that I'm just I'm banking on a little bit of having that week off. Guys get healthy, and the Rams don't put all the pressure on Stafford. Work on this running game. Get everyone involved. Move mm-hmm. the ball with the running game a little bit because you're going to need it down the road. It's like we say the bye sometimes comes at poor times for teams playing well. Case in point, like the Eagles, they're playing amazing. Go into the bye. Sometimes it helps teams. And you would think, at least on the surface, this would help a Rams team who desperately well, needs to I mean, But I don't bye. know how it is. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're one of the worst teams. They're 28th in the offensive line. They're 23rd in points per play. Like, where are they all of a sudden going to – like, everybody keeps waiting for the switch to turn with the Rams. I don't, I don't oh. know when it's turning. We just saw how, and we saw the matchup too on the offensive line a couple Monday nights ago in San Francisco. Uh, so Harry, Harry, you're going out on a limb. Got the Rams plus one and a half. There is a total you like as well this week. We were just talking about uh, Bears and that offensive explosion, 33 points against New England. Now you take on Dallas on the road here, laying a big number. What do you like total wise in Bears and Cowboys? I do like the under in this game, guys. Under 42 and a half. Dallas is 29th in total yards. I know not a lot uh, with Dak, but uh, because of uh, having the situation, him being back last week, 
didn't do really great. He looked rusty versus Detroit. Really fortunate Detroit, the Detroit secondary can't catch because they probably should have had two or three picks that weren't made. But, uh, but listen, second in points against, first in sacks with 29 Dallas's, and they average a pick a game. Uh, and, again, I mentioned that was kind of an anomaly, what we, I think, what we saw Monday night uh, with the Bears on offense. Um, they look like a juggernaut, which is not who they really are. I think Dallas's defense is spectacular. And, and, listen, Chicago's defense is very good, too, led by Roquan Smith. I think this, guy, this guy's amazing. I mean, that was an 11 tackles a game. You got two picks, two and a half sacks this year. Um, Dak better watch out for him and then and, and Chicago not turn the ball over here. But I think this is a game where both teams run the game, run the ball. Not a lot of passing here uh, mm-hmm. as Dak continues to get back into uh, the shape with and in, in, in the game form with Dallas. I'm going to go under 42 and a half here. Yeah, I mean, I think Dallas should be an under team. I mean, I I know that the Bears had an explosive day, night. I don't think that's going to happen again, especially when your quarterback only gets, you know, averages about 10 completions a game. I mean, I don't know how you're going to score very many points. Short week now as yeah. well for Chicago, too. And I was going to point out, Harry, on the practice reports coming out today, Ezekiel Elliott, not this is like a huge mover because we don't know yet, but does have a knee sprain not practicing today. He'll be a questionable designation heading into Sunday. Yeah, and again, like I mentioned, Roquan Smith, but on the other side, Parsons, too. He'll be able to, like, unlike what the Patriots couldn't do, I think Dallas will, with Van Der Esch, too, uh, be able to cover the sides, come, cover the corners, so Fields doesn't get there and run for 20, 30 yards. I think this is a solid undergame. Give uh, Harry a follow, by the way, at AAO Harry. I'm still kind of convinced, Harry. You know, you had the, the bathtub video. And, that, and now, is there a coincidence <laughs> next week, uh, your, your worst week on the show? I don't know. Maybe maybe a little karma. I told you last week. I, was I like, Stay out of the bathtub, Harry. Come on, man. But I, that I, was something. I kid. I kid. Uh, you do have a four-teamer this week, though. Um, you're going back. Yeah. We always have to have a parlay here with, with the H-Dog. Uh, what do you got for us this week? Yep. We're going to go two. This is going to pay two to one here. How about this, guys? Four team. I'm going to get a little crazy here. I'm going to take the Falcons minus 220, all on the money line, by the way. Falcons minus 220 versus Carolina. Falcons can score. And I think this is a letdown game after, for the Panthers after giving everything they had to beat Tom and Tampa Bay. I got the Eagles at minus 550 versus Pittsburgh. Philly second in the NFL in picks. And what does Pittsburgh do? They throw picks. I'm going to take the Vikings, minus 200 against Arizona. Payback from last year when Minnesota missed a 28-yard field goal and should have beat Arizona. I think the Vikings continue, after they had their bye week here, continue and move to 6-1. and one. And I'm going to take Buffalo, minus 550, to win the game against Green Bay. I think Aaron Rodgers has to continue to eat the medicine that he's taking uh, as uh, – the Packers' offense continues to flounder. I mean, that was something last week against Washington, guys. I mean, 38 yards on the ground, a lot of drop passes. I, I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers said maybe this is the best thing for them where no one's expecting them to win. I don't see it. I think the Bills just roll. Anything there, Michael, you uh, you would worry uh, about? I mean, I can't team? disagree. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, you know, I think Pittsburgh will, will struggle. The thing I will say, Pittsburgh, you know, the Eagles coming off the bye could be a little bit, you know, not quite sharp. It could help Pittsburgh, but their offense is going to struggle again. Regardless, still hard yeah. to see how Philadelphia loses that game outright, and that's part of the play there with Harry. Yeah, Harry, always great to see you. We appreciate the time as always. I know it's going to be a bounce back week. I just know it. I can feel it uh, from, from Harry Gagden at AAO Harry on Twitter. Uh, thanks as always to Harry for stopping by. When we return to wrap up the show, it's our Thursday night football preview as we talk Ravens and Bucks up next.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. That's my day. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. 
BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Big thanks to the whole crew on today's edition of the Lombardi Line. Matt Santos, our producer, Andrew Ingold, our technical director. We have Mikhail, Sergio, Aramis, Rob, Troy, whole crew, cast of thousands behind the glass. Might have missed one or two. I think I got almost ev- any everybody uh, there, Michael, as we get ready for our <laughs> Thursday night football preview. It's hard to know what to make of this line. There are injury concerns on Baltimore, which we'll talk about in a minute. Tampa Bay, there are just concerns everywhere. A team that is still tied for first in the division, but three and four, and issues continue with a quarterback in Tom Brady and the lack of cohesion around him and his offensive weapons. We're seeing the market pretty much settle in now, one or one and a half here to Baltimore on the road. Michael, where did your numbers spit out this line when you started to crunch everything? You know, I had this as a 1.87 favorite for Baltimore, but I think when you really break this down, you know, this these problems on Tampa are twofold. They're also defensively. You know, when you when you look at them, their red zone defense has not been good, 23rd in the league. You know, forcing incompletions have not been good. And so what what's happened is teams have been able to run the ball on them. You know, and even though they've even though they've been able to, you know, not give up chunk plays, that they've struggled. And when you can run the ball on a Todd Bowles defense, then you've got a chance. Offensively, the problems are kind of all over the place, right? That they, they they are one of the worst teams in terms of getting to the red zone. They're 24th in red zone trips. Everybody focuses on red zone conversions. So if you're one for one in the red zone, that's great. You're 100%. That looks good. But if you but but if you're there seven times, that's better, right? How many times do you get into the red zone is more important than what you do in the red zone. It's important what you do, but it's also how many times do you get there. The Bucks are 24th, right? The, the, they're going against a team that's 11th in that category. you know. And in the fourth quarter, this team has fallen apart. They're 28th in the league in the fourth quarter in terms of their execution. So, And they're 23rd in punts per play. Punts per play. So when you look that all over, it really comes back to a design problem, right? They have no tight end that can get open. They've got no slot receiver that can win one-on-one, and Brady doesn't have a nickel back. And so all that stuff is trouble for him when he when it comes time to execute. And Baltimore, for whatever – Baltimore's another team, uh, Ben, that they don't care who you are. They're going to do what they do. They, ran, they threw it 16 times last week. That's all they threw. Only 16. And yet, 4-3 and three with – Three losses where they had trailed in those three games by a combined 120 seconds. It's it's a team, too, that has a lot of injury concerns. Mark Andrews, the tight end, has not practiced all week. He will head into this week questionable. Same thing for Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle anchor of that offensive line, who has been banged up essentially the entire season. He hasn't practiced all week. You have those couple guys in particular. You throw in Gus Edwards, who's been limited since his return off the PUP list as that main running back with J.K. Dobbins now on IR. And there are some concerns here injury-wise for a Baltimore team that 
among if you listen to respected betters in the the general community, you hear many of them on our ear here at Veasan. There's there seems to be uh, Michael somewhat of a not controversy, but there's definitely a difference in opinion on just how good this Baltimore team is. I've heard some say they're the fourth best team in the NFL. Heard others say you, you can't really trust them with a ten foot pole, given how they haven't been able to finish games this year. Where, where do you stand overall on this Baltimore construction of a team? Well, they don't. They can't. They can't stop the run. I mean, they run it really well. They can't stop it. That's typically been a Baltimore trademark, right? They could stop the run. I mean, teams average four and a half yards a carry. They've given up eight rushing touchdowns. When you're not good in the red zone, it's because you're allowing teams to throw the ball in on you or run the ball in on you. When you can run it in on you, you know that's not good. So I, I, I'm a little bit of I don't think they're as good. I think they have the same problems that Tampa has. I don't think that like they signed Deshaun. Jackson like to me that's ridiculous yeah it makes no sense at all like uh, Lamar Jackson does not want to throw the ball outside the numbers vertically he wants to throw the ball in the middle of the field vertically and in the middle of the field so like what he needs is a nickelback what he needs is a another tight end to go with Andrews and he needs a slot receiver like the last thing he needs is another little guy they already went through that with Hollywood Brown he he, he doesn't throw the ball there that's not where he's good at throwing it and yet they continue to want to get this receipt. Oh, we got to get Bateman back. Or we got, yeah, Bateman's a nice player. But he's got 15 catches. You know, he averages almost 20 yards a catch. But the reality of it is, is, is those throws that he's making to him were slants. They weren't outside the number throws. Bateman, Bateman too, another guy banged up. He didn't practice today. Questionable heading into tomorrow with a foot injury. And the, the comments from Jackson after the game last week was asked about Mark Andrews as a tight end who had been the most prolific receiver, even when you combine all the other weapons. And what did Jackson say? That said, well, they were double-teaming him, so I didn't look his way. It was simple. Browns took away Andrews from the offense. That would appear to be the obvious blueprint, right? Defensively against Baltimore. So what's the counter to that instead of just uh, not looking Andrews' way at all? Like, how does Baltimore get success offensively and find ways to stay consistent and ahead of the chains there? Well, I mean, they got to they got to run it, you know. Now, will Hicks play? I don't know. I mean, the Bucks have been able – the Bucks have not been good defending the run. I mean, Vita Vey's good. But when you play Baltimore and you play that sixth-run team, you know, Tampa usually does a really good job. Why do they do a good job against the sixth-skill uh, position offenses? Is because Tampa was very effective of setting the edge outside in. When you play Baltimore, you play Philadelphia, and their quarterback's going to run, you've got to set the edge outside in. So what you want to do is you want to hit the quarterback. You want to get the ball out of his hands. You want to take it away. You want that inside-run play to be you want the run play to be feathered into the the area where you're a little lighter, and when you had Vita Vey and you had and you had Sue in there last year, you could hold up in there, right? Mm -hmm. Those two guys, but this year they're not held up as much. That's going to be the key to the game: is can the Bucks hold up inside against the inside run game of Baltimore? They're going to take away. They're going to set it outside in. I mean, it's what Jacksonville tried to do to Philadelphia when they played them and they couldn't hold up inside. It's what Dallas tried to do to Philadelphia. They couldn't hold up inside in the first half. Eventually, they got control. I think it's the same thing. At some point, Baltimore's going to have to throw it more than 16 times. Baltimore's going to have to recognize their quarterback could be really great if we gave them right. players that fit what he does. Especially with on the, the Tampa Bay side, from the def, at least the overall injury perspective, it's a mess in the secondary here where you have Carlton Davis already ruled out at corner. Sean Murphy Bunting already ruled out. Last time I checked, Antoine Winfield has not yet cleared concussion protocol and will not ahead of tomorrow's game. He is, as of now, ruled out for that game. 
So as much as, as you've seen the rushing defense crater from top of the league last couple of years to 17th this season, there should be, or at least ought to be, Michael, opportunities to pass on Tampa, wouldn't you think, if you're Baltimore? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, and, but but the real issue is you know Baltimore is going to want to run it. I mean, Baltimore's going to want to run it. They're going to want to run their stuff. That's kind of what they do. And so, yeah, I do think there's matchups. But how good are how good do you think Baltimore's receivers are? I mean, do you, I mean they're signing to Sean Jackson? Are you really that good? You know, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, how a, good are we? Weirdly, gr- like outside of Duvernay, I mean, he's at a he's been a big. A pleasant surprise, too, for for this Raven wide receiver core. That, I mean, that's somebody you would not have counted on coming in, but he's had really nice moments for for Jackson. The thing well. is about the uh, the thing about this game is is Tampa doesn't turn it over on offense. You know, they may not be effective, but they don't turn it over on offense. And Baltimore has been prone to turnovers, like we saw last week. It's mm-hmm. the only reason that that Cleveland had a chance to get back in that game. You see Todd Bowles come out today and just say as the Buccaneer head coach, don't worry, guys. I, I've been I've been really hard on the team behind closed doors, even if I don't show it out, you know, out on the field. Oh, uh, I, what do you make I of that? I think that's a mis I think that I think Todd I mean, I know this. My son worked for Bowles and I know Bowles holds players accountable. I mean, I know that. So what Bowles tells the media and what he does maybe are two different things, but he's gonna hold them accountable. There's no denying that. Now, they're not playing well. And part of it is, too, like you mentioned, injuries. They need Hicks. They need that big guy inside to play the way they want to play on defense. From what we've seen so far this week, Hicks, he's been limited 50-50 game time decision, questionable with a foot injury, at least a good sign he's gotten out on the practice field. But two teams, you you talk about stayaways this week, Michael. There's a whole lot of candidates. This could easily be one of them this week, and it's right on your number that you made as far as the line. I, I mean, I'd be surprised if Tampa didn't play better. I really would be, but again, Tampa is not going to turn it on because at the end of the day, Tampa doesn't have the kind of players that makes Brady so great. Right. The just absolutely disgusting. I, I don't. I'm going to hate myself for betting at teaser leg. You could you could talk me into like a Bucks teaser leg to plus seven and a half with Baltimore unable to finish and Denver plus eight and a half. Like Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson beat me by two scores. I realize that sounds miserable to sit through. That that's kind of I don't want to do right it now, but I I really don't. I I I'll I'll just say I will and not actually do it, so I don't have to live out to live out that experience. Either way, Michael, great to be with you as always here on these. Thanks, Wednesday Ben. Shows. Great job. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Uh, it is Veasan, Big Bets, Dave Ross, Amal Shaw from the South Point up next on Veasan. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 